Over a million patients a year are treated with respect, warmth, and compassion at Boston Medical Center. It's in this spirit of community that we offer our podcast series to you, featuring our doctors and staff. This is Boston Med Talks. Here's Melanie Cole. Boston Medical Center established the Center for the Urban Child and Healthy Family with a goal to improve and advance medical care for its urban families. My guest today is Dr. Megan Bear Merritt. She's a pediatrician and child health services researcher, and she's the director for the BMC Pediatric Center for the Urban Child and Healthy Family, all with Boston Medical Center. Dr. Bear Merritt, tell us what is the Center for Urban Child and Healthy Family and how did it come about? Thank you, Melanie. Uh, so the Center for the Urban Child and Healthy Family was launched in uh, 2016, so we're about two years old, really with a vision of health equity. Uh, our mission is that every child has an equal opportunity to achieve his or her full potential. Um, and we think about achieving uh, that goal through fundamental redesign of the care that we deliver to families facing adversity. So how do we uh, through BMC Primary Care, really better meet the needs of our families. BMC has long recognized that an individual's economic status, education level, access to good schools, secure housing, food, and so much more can impact health. Tell us what you know about how these kinds of things and these insecurities can impact a child and the whole family's health. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we know that the things that you mentioned, which we call the social determinants of health, have profound impact on children's health um, and, and probably actually have more impact um, and are more prevalent than many of the things that we sort of commonly uh, think about affecting kids' health, like infectious disease. These are equally as important. Um, when children uh, are raised in poverty, they have higher uh, rates of many both acute and chronic diseases. And um, when you look at pediatric medical care, most of the care that we deliver um, is actually based on a schedule that was set um, hundreds of years ago. And when um, infectious disease was really what was most uh, impacting kids' health. And so uh, we tend to see children, for example, around an immunization schedule, which is critical. Um, but we know that the content of well-child visits does not always best meet the needs of, of families who are dealing with these issues. Um, and so part of what we are trying to think about is how do we really fundamentally redesign that care uh, to place priority on some of these issues that families are facing and, and that have tremendous impact. Um, I think the other thing that I would say is that we know for young children, the period uh, between birth and three years is an incredibly sensitive one. So if you think about when a baby is born, uh, they don't do a whole lot. They kind of eat and sleep and cry. And by the time they're three, uh, they are walking, they are talking. Um, there's sort of little human beings that are really interacting with the world. And, and what is happening is tremendous brain growth. And so when children are exposed to the social determinants of health, um, there's the potential that it really affects their uh, long-term health. And so we view that as a time uh, that interventions might be particularly important. And interventions are particularly important at that time, but how are you reaching out to these families? What approach are you using? Because I would think some of them would be resistant to come to a center or even know about it. Yeah, 
Um, it's a great question. So there have been uh, programs designed to, for example, promote social and um, emotional health within uh, primary care. Um, our goal, though, is to really... Um, at the outset, think about exactly what you're saying about, you know, what would make families resistant to doing this? What do they actually want from their care? And so we are using um, a process called human-centered design. Um, and the idea of human-centered design is that it puts, uh, it comes from business, and that the idea is that uh, it puts the end users um, or the consumers from the business world um, kind of in uh, the co-creation process from the beginning. And so uh, we are in a process now where we um, have, are working with a nonprofit organization called Agency that's a human design firm. Um, and they are doing deep ethnographic work with our families who have volunteered uh, to really talk about what they would like, what would be helpful for them, how uh, can their pediatric care model better serve them, better connect them with the community resources, um, and then families who are willing will continue with us through the co-creation uh, process of what this model looks like. And so um, our hope is that by involving our families from the very beginning and through the creation of this, what we're calling the pediatric practice of the future, um, it will be designed from the outset uh, to be something that's really meaningful. Tell us about some of the unique and specific grant-funded programs that are run through the center in regards to addiction or special needs, low income, teaching, even the medical legal partnership. Yeah, so we um, are really interested in, in thinking about how to do pediatric health care differently. And so uh, we put out uh, calls uh, for grants from our own faculty to think about really um, again, how to deliver care in a different way to our families and, and funded two clinics that I think are really important. Um, the first one is the SOFAR clinic or supporting our families through addiction and recovery. Um, and, and that clinic serves new mothers uh, with substance use disorder and their infants. Um, and, and the hope is to create, uh, and, and what the team does um, amazingly, is creating a, a trauma-informed, non-judgmental uh, space where infants can receive their care um, and moms also uh, can receive um, care as well. Um, so the infants and moms are able to be seen together. Um, and that clinic has served um, about 100 mother-infant dyads, um, and it is just growing amazingly and um, has had some uh, profound connections with their families that I think has been really helpful. Um, the second clinic that we funded is an IEP, or Individualized um, Education um, Plan Clinic. Uh, and the idea there was that uh, many of the children that we serve have individualized education plans at schools, but it's hard for pediatricians to connect with schools really to advocate for the best educational services for their families. Um, so this is a clinic that's embedded within our primary care clinic, such that if a child either has an existing individualized education plan uh, or the parent or provider has concerns that the child may uh, need one, they can go to this clinic. The clinic is run uh, by one of our primary care pediatricians who has developmental uh, pediatric training and our head of family navigation uh, who is an attorney. And they work very closely with the school system to ensure that the child's plan uh, really matches their learning needs. And so with both, I think with the SOFAR clinic, um, we're really learning about providing care to uh, parents and to children in the same space. Um, and with the IEP clinic, we're really learning about how to make uh, deeper connections with schools. 
What type of providers are available and involved in this project? And while you're answering that, tell us how the community is involved. Yeah, so we, um, as we are, we are in the phase now where we are really building what we call the pediatric practice of the future, and we have a leadership team that involves uh, members of the primary care uh, team, including its medical director, Eileen Costello, some of the pediatric providers, uh, the head of nursing, the head of operations, um, and we'll be doing similar uh, interviews with providers and staff about the, the type of care that they would like to be able to offer to their families and, and what the pediatric practice of the future uh, might look like. Um, with regard to community organizations, um, we have made many good connections with early childhood education programs and are uh, thinking about how to um, best ensure that our families know about um, high-quality early education uh, spots in their neighborhoods and how we can um, best work with them to do those applications if uh, they are interested. Uh, we also have a partnership that's funded by the Boston Foundation with a group called Economic Mobility Pathways. Um, Economic Mobility Pathways, or MPAP, is a national program that's actually based in Boston uh, that trains uh, people in what they call mobility mentoring, uh, which allows them to have financial literacy um, and do problem solving around their own uh, their own financial mobility, and we have uh, built a partnership to begin to consider what it would look like if some of our community health workers, our navigators, uh, were trained in mobility mentoring so that we could offer that to our families. Doctor, is it a separate center? And if it's not, where is it housed? Um, so we are a virtual center. Uh, we are within uh, the Department of Pediatrics. Um, and so within the Department of Pediatrics, uh, we are starting with our focus in, in pediatric primary care and, and thinking about building the practice of the future within our current uh, pediatric primary care setting. What's the hope that this will someday become a national model for other healthcare organizations to implement? Because I, I really see that other healthcare organizations would look at this and say, that's really a great way to reach out to the communities. And while you're answering that, tell us about your ongoing vision for the center. Yeah, our, our ongoing vision for sure is that we will be able to create a national model. And so as we're doing this development process of the pediatric practice of the future, we're thinking uh, very specifically about scale and spread. Um, and in particular, we realize that there really is sort of not one um, size fits all for all uh, pediatric practices across the country, um, but it's our hope to really delineate what are the core components of the model that families say is really important to them um, and which parts are adaptable based on setting. So creating a model that's flexible um, enough that it's uh, able to be scaled, but it also um, contains core components that we learn from our families and providers are, are really essential in um, innovating care. What else would you like to add? What would you like the listeners to know about the Center for Urban Child and Healthy Family, how they can get involved? Just give us your best information and hope for the future. Yeah, so our, we have put our stake uh, in the ground that by 2028, every child receiving care at Boston Medical Center Pediatrics is healthy and ready to learn by five. Um, so we're very committed in the next uh I guess we're down to nine years now that it's 2019, uh, having this pediatric practice of the future in place um, and really gathering data and assuring that the families that we see when children arrive at kindergarten, they're able to arrive um, healthy and ready to learn. 
um, we're committed. We sort of realize that doing that requires fundamental systems change. Um, and so uh, I think it takes a village. Um, folks who are listening who are interested in participating and telling us their thoughts, uh, we would love that. We're very open to it. And, and we realize that it really takes the whole community. And I, I think there's no better place than uh, to be at BMC for this, because I think as an institution, um, this is something that people really um, recognize is, is the type of healthcare that we want to aspire to. Thank you so much, Dr. Bear Merritt, for coming on and explaining the Center for Urban Child and Healthy Family. And to learn more about the center, you can go to bmc.org. That's bmc.org. This is Boston Med Talks. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for tuning in.